At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Are you tired of lugging around heavy, bulky tree stands, whether you're using a climber or a hang-on, and would prefer to hunt lighter and more mobile? If you said yes, then you need to check out the Tethered Mantis Saddle and Predator platform. For me, this uh, setup has done a couple things for me over the past year and a half. I've definitely been more mobile, lighter. And when you get into those situations where maybe the wind switches on you or whatever, and in years past, you didn't want to pull all your gear, it's because you didn't want to move it, didn't want to make additional noise and things of that nature. This kind of solved all those problems for me. And I'm able to kind of tear down quickly, make a move if I need to make a move and get set up uh, without losing a whole lot of hunting time. The other thing I do a lot more of with this is actually I'll still hunt my way through or just kind of go into an area where I'd like to check out. Scout with all my stuff on my back. It's super light, so I don't really even notice it. And I hunt to where I'm going, or I still hunt through to where I'm ultimately going to set up, which is a great benefit, has been a great benefit to me so far this year. If you're interested in all these things, then you need to head over to tetherednation.com, check out all their information related to saddle hunting, and release your inner tree ninja. First thing I do in the morning before a hunt is, of course, I have to have my morning coffee. And I'm sure most of you out there probably feel the same. Make sure you're filling your mug with Skull Brew Coffee as it is the only coffee company that is both 2% for conservation certified and, of course, donates 10% of their profits to conservation organizations who are helping us to secure the future of our wild places. So head to SkullBrewCoffee.com and choose between three killer roasts of coffee and know that you are supporting conservation with every sip. All right, if you listen to this uh, podcast for any length of time, you guys know that I am good friends with all the guys over at Exodus. And I want to give you a quick heads up that you should be checking out some of their content if you haven't already. They have a podcast out called Trail Cam Radio, and they release new episodes every Tuesday. So the day before you listen to this one, you could be listening to that one as well. They've done some deep dives with some great guests. Uh, you'll you'll recognize some of these names as Jeff Sturgis, Dan Enfault, and The Hunting Public. And they also jump into and talk to some uh, less-known hunters who consistently are getting it done many times on public land. Uh, if you prefer to watch podcasts, if you're looking for some video content, uh, they have a YouTube channel as well, and that is 
packed, of course, with great videos and interviews. One of the most popular ones they did is a, a candid interview with John Eberhardt. And uh, if you know anything about John, you always get the straight dope from him. And for my, for specifically my PA listeners, uh, they just recently posted a public land big woods interview with Steve Shirk, which I, which I consumed. And it is pretty awesome. This dude's killing hammers and getting on giant deer in, in, in uh, Pennsylvania. So it's absolutely a, a must listen. So if you're looking for more whitetail content, especially here during the course of the season, you just can't get enough. Uh, be sure to head over to their podcast, Trail Cam Radio, and their YouTube channel, Exodus Trail Cameras, and drop them a subscription or review and let them know that Truth from the Stand sent you. If you're also in the market for a trail camera, uh, over the last four years, of course, Exodus has consistently showed they build quality trail cameras that flat out just work. Of course, the best trail camera warranty, period. Every single camera is backed by a five-year warranty and even comes with a theft and damage coverage. That's right, five years, literally half a decade, you'll be covered by the Exodus five-year warranty. But more than likely, you won't need it because the cameras are built to last. Welcome to the Truth From The Stand Deer Hunting Podcast, brought to you by Skull Brew Coffee Company. I'm your host, Clint Campbell, and you are listening to episode number 149, bringing you the Iowa rut log day number six. We have action, so stay tuned. What is happening, everybody? Happy Thursday. I think this will come out on Thursday if I got my days correct. Hope everyone is doing well. Hope you're feeling fine. Hope the deer words, woods, words, uh, words, they're hard today. A lot of things are hard today, as you'll find out. Um, hope everyone is doing well. Hope, you, hope you're having some some good action in the timber. Hopefully, hopefully things are starting to pop for you. It seems like here, um, it is, I know I've said this the past two episodes, but like every day it just seems to ramp up just a little bit more and just a little bit more. Um, Hopefully I'll get with John here and we'll do another podcast together to kind of go through what we've been, what we've been seeing. Um, just, we've had some late evenings getting back late and stuff like that, trying to make sure I get my sleep so I can get up in the morning and grind, uh, during the course of the day. But today was a, today was a fun day. Uh, essentially, you know, coming out of yesterday, uh, John and I had, uh, and I, I know I teased that we had action and I'll get to the action here in a second. Um, Coming out of yesterday, we had a wind that we had a south wind today, and so knowing that, I knew I wasn't going to be able to hunt the general area that I had hunted yesterday or the uh, whatever day that was it would have been Tuesday, I guess. Um, so today, Wednesday, I was having to make an adjustment, and as I was looking at the different properties that I was scouted in March and stuff like that, you know, I didn't have a whole lot necessarily that was going to play for that specific wind that I had familiarity with. <clears throat> I could hunt. I think I'd mentioned in the past podcast, I was, I was planning to hunt the North side of the bedding area that I was hunting, um, previously where I had, you know, a couple encounters with some, with some decent deer. But as I started thinking about it, the temperature was going to rise today. It was going to get up to close to 60. Um, and then tomorrow, you know, uh, if, as you're listening to this on Thursday, we're going to have about a 20 degree temp drop, actually a little bit more than that. Um, it's going to go from nearly 60 to about 35. And so, and we're going to have a North wind. So I didn't really want to go back into that same area and hunt it again on a wind that would work on the North side of that bedding area. And I could, where I could set up, I would, all my, my wind would be kind of funneled into this one draw and it would kind of shoot down and like I would stay clean from where I've been seeing deer move from. So I wasn't too concerned about that, but 
the other thing I thought about was like, is this really a prime day to hunt that spot? Now look, big deer move on days that are warm whenever you're you know in pre-rut and rut like that's you know we know that but if i'm going to kind of stack the deck for myself i would prioritize hunting a better weather day in that area just because it is it is good um you know at least the the ones that i've had in there so far it's it was awesome and then john has sat that area as well and he's seen the same thing over the course of several years so um, I don't have a doubt that it's going to continue to be good. It's just a natural little funnel with a bedding area that bucks like to cruise through to check this, to check out these two different bedding areas. So with that, I kind of, you know, that was really my plan last night as I was recording the previous podcast. And then John and I talked and, you know, he was like, Hey, you know, tomorrow's going to be kind of eh, weather, you know, what's your plans? And I, I had said that, you know, I was planning to hunt that North end of that bedding area. He said, cool. He's like, you know, Hey, he's, I'm going to go hunt. He has a lease. You know, it's not too far from here. He's like, I'm going to go hunt the lease. He's like, um, and slide into a, a box blind. Um, he's like, if you want to come along, you know, you're more than welcome to come along. He's like, and if, uh, if there's a buck that pops out that maybe isn't on my list, you know, that doesn't make my list. He's like, you know, you can take a crack at him or whatever. Um, and he did see a nice, a nice deer over there two, two nights ago, uh, or two days ago rather. Um, and so I was like, you know what, I I don't really want to go in and hunt that, that area because it's not a great weather day, and I'd like to kind of save it for whenever I know things are really popping, which should be tomorrow, the next two to three days, um, to really ramp up. And so I was like, eh, you know what, I've been kind of hunting it kind of hard the past several days, having a nice leisurely stroll into a box blind, you know, this morning uh, or today would probably wouldn't be the worst thing for me. You know, it's like I don't have to get up super early, you know, or not as early. Um, cause it's an easy hike in, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, you know what, that and I get to spend some time with John. We just get to kind of catch up, hang out and hunt together. He and I don't really ever get to hunt together. So I was like, cool, let's do that. So I met him over there. We had a sit, saw a couple does, uh, very first light. And that was about it. And then as we started talking, I was trying to figure out where I was going to go. And I was still kind of set on hunting that North side. Well, the way he convinced, not convinced me, but what he had said made a lot of sense the previous day where he was like, look, you know, you're going to go in and try to hunt that North end of that bedding area. He's like, which I think is a good plan. However, he's like, you know, you've not ever walked into that piece and tried to find a tree in the dark on that side, in that specific area. So you might end up bumbling around and and hurting yourself. And I was like, you know, that's a good point. So I'll hunt the box blind with you and just kind of have it a leisurely morning. And so I was still thinking, he's like, you know, go in and, and do that in the afternoon, you know, you know, after daybreak, that way you have some light, everything's kind of back to bed. And I'm sure there'd be bucks cruising, but you can probably slip in there and find a tree and get up and hunt it. So I was like, that sounds like a good idea. So I did the box blind with John in the morning. And then as we were getting ready to leave the lease, I was like, you know, trying to figure out where I was going to go. And I was really like, you know what? I don't know that I want to go hunt that north end of that bedding area because I just don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to damage it on a not great weather day if I can help it. And, you know, I was like, maybe today would be a good day to go just try, try my luck somewhere else. Maybe do a little freelancing, a little freestyling, see what I, see what I run into. And so there was this piece that's across the road from where I've kind of been prioritizing my hunting or at least that the good spot that I have that I know that, that I know works. Um, there's a bunch of public on the other side of the road that John and I had scouted in March, but we, we scouted, you know, I guess what I'll call the, you know, I don't know, let's call it the East, the, uh, yeah, the Eastern part of it, or I guess it would be like the Northeast part of part of it. A couple of fingers of timber that kind of come out in this, like, you know, this CRP kind of area that has a bunch of trees planted in it and stuff. 
Um, we shed hunted it and scouted it last year. Didn't find a bunch of sign necessarily. Um, but you know, I was, it was an area I was familiar with. I did, you know, we did jump a buck, uh, when we were in there, we found a buck bed. And so I was planning to kind of head over that way. And then I was talking to a guy that I had, I think I'd mentioned him in the podcast yesterday, this guy, Corey, uh, that I've kind of become, you know, friendly with, you know, he's a, he's a local, he's from around here. Uh, we're hunting a similar area and, and, uh, and, and so he's given me a few tips and stuff like that. And I was t- telling him, I was looking on the map and there's this pond on that same piece of public, but I've never scouted down that way. And he said, yeah, he's like, you know, if you go down there, he's like, there's some access roads down through there. He's like that, you know, you get into some pretty good stuff down in that area. He's like, you know, it's definitely worth a check. Um, he had some buddies who hunted, you know, I don't know exactly where, but they were hunting on that side of the road somewhere and they had some, some, uh, encounters with some decent deer. So I was like, all right, cool. You know, maybe I'll give that a check. So after I, you know, John and I left, yeah, I had decided that's where I was going to go. I was going to go over to the other side of the road. I wasn't sure if I was going to go where John and I had scouted or if I was just going to kind of like go off into no man's land of a place I've not been before and just see what I find. Well, I decided the latter. I was like, you know what? I feel like going, it's hot out. I feel like there's a pond down there, probably be a little cooler down that way is what I'm kind of thinking. Um, I have a good wind to walk in there. The wind's in my face, but like depending on like as I'm making my way to the pond, I should probably have a crosswind if I set up anywhere in in that general area. There's two draws that kind of funnel down into, into that pond, which I kind of liked. And, and as I was looking at the satellite image, I could see that there was a lot of thick stuff around it, whether it was pines or whether it was just like under understory um, that I liked as well. And I was like, you know what, if I can just get on the edge of some of this, I'm sure there's does better than that, especially in, you know, in the edge of some of those draws probably be pretty good. So I got headed in and it starts off as like a two track and then it kind of narrows down into like a smaller, like kind of path or whatever. I'm kind of walking my way down through and I don't know, I probably saw 12 scrapes on my way, on my way through this little, on this little path. And I mean, it's got some side cover, right? It's, it's looking pretty, looking pretty good, looking pretty bucky. And what I was really looking for, I was like, man, I want to find a small cluster of scrapes, you know, a primary scrape area, you know, the, the, the golden goose, if you will, the primary scrape area. And I would lo- I'd love to find one with like a hammer rub near it. Cause you know, that to me will tell me that. And of course, fresh that to me will tell me that there's a buck who's spending time there. These things have been tended. There's a fresh rub there. It would tell me all the things I kind of want want to be told and a cluster of, of scrapes together, you know, signifying that there's, it's a primary scrape area. And I of course want it to be close to some, some side cover. And so I keep hiking, keep hiking, keep hiking. I just keep running. I keep passing scrape after scrape after scrape with licking branch. And I finally got to this one spot where there were five scrapes that were all within probably like a 10 yard, a 10 yard area. And then there was just a hammer rub. And I'll probably use the picture of the rub as the post for Instagram tomorrow associated with this podcast. So you'll, you'll see that. But I put my bow up next to it. And I shoot a 30 inch bow and I mean, I could probably stack two of my bows on top, another bow on top of my bow and it might get to the top of that rub. I mean, it was, wasn't a huge tree, but it was tall. And I was like, jackpot, this is where I'm going to set up. And it was like this path that, that, that it was along. And so I was like, you know what? I'm not going to set up far off the path. I just want to get in the timber a little bit to where I can get some breakup. I can get a little cover and then I'm going to find a tree to get into. And I found a relatively small tree because I prefer smaller trees um, and I ended up only climbing up two sticks. So two sticks with a five-step aider. I was probably maybe 12 feet off the ground, 11, probably not even cause I set my second stick a little lower. So 11, 11 feet. 
because I ran into some branches at that point. I didn't want, you know, can't cut them because I'm on public, but I also wanted them to kind of hang over because I wanted a little bit of cover as well. So I had a little bit of cover to the back of me, to the side of me. And if, and I had that trail was right to my left, so to my strong side to shoot. And I was like, man, the perfect scenario would be like just a buck wandering up this path to check these scrapes and getting like a 15 yard chip shot. So I'm sitting there and I did like my first rattling sequence, probably at like one thirty, roughly and nothing. Right. It's warm out now too. It's getting kind of warm. I think, I think it topped out at like 60 degrees, but it's a nice, you know, nice day to be in a tree. It's just, you know, bluebird skies, you know, really nice, really light wind. The wind was being consistent at this point. I had a really good crosswind. Um, so it was kind of coming in my, in my face and kind of shooting up the trail. And what I was playing was everything below me. I didn't anticipate anything really coming up from, uh, from above me. So I'm sitting there and it's about two 30 and I go to grab my rattling antlers again. And I go to pick them up. And what I like to do is I keep them on my bow tow rope and I keep them on the ground and then I'll pop them up off the ground. That way they smack together and they hit the ground and it sounds like hooves hitting the ground and it kind of mimics deer's hooves hitting the ground while they're sparring. And so, but I wanted to have a little bit more volume. So when I want that, it's like, I'll pull them up to me and I'll crack them together with my hands and I'll, and I'll rattle that way. Um, and so that's what I was going to do in this instance. So I was getting ready to pull the antlers up. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. And I thought, you know what, before I do that, I should probably just make a cursory check to make sure there's nothing around me, right? Because I've, I've been busted before from calling, you know, or rattling without checking my surroundings or seeing a deer grunted, try to grunt him in. He moved off. I thought he moved off, didn't check my surroundings, try to grunt him in one more time. And then he ended up being, you know, 20 yards away. That happened to me in Ohio. So I checked my surroundings. And as soon as I did, excuse me, as soon as I did that, I saw antlers coming up the trail. I was like, you got to be kidding me. So I put the put the antlers down, grabbed my bow. And from the moment I saw him, he was probably 40 yards away. I didn't have a shot. He was on the come right up the trail. And when I saw him, he was no doubt a shooter, hundred percent, four and a half year old. What I could, as far as I could tell was a mainframe eight. Um, once I recognized he was a shooter, I was not counting points any longer. I was trying to figure out where I was going to get the shot opportunity. Um, and the way he was working, I thought for sure he was going to set up and give me that 15-yard chip shot while he was working a scrape and a licking branch. So he's walking up the trail. He hits a he hits a licking branch. And at this time, I'm grabbing the camera, swiveling the camera around, trying to get the camera on him. And he's after he gets done working that licking branch, instead of walking up to the next set of scrapes, he dives off into the timber. Now, I had a 24-yard shot at that point. But I was fiddling with the camera and I couldn't get my range finder on it fast enough or on him or on that area fast enough to range it to know how to know how far it was. And so I missed the opportunity to take that shot. And he got a little further into the timber and there was a window that I had between like two small pieces of brush that I could slip an arrow through. 
28 yards. Awesome. Drew back. He stopped. Was scratching his head with his back hoof, with his left back hoof. He put it down, and as soon as he put it down, I didn't have to bleat, I didn't have to nothing, and I let it rip. And from the moment I let the arrow go, I knew that it was low. And I knew, I heard the arrow hit the ground. He squatted, so I knew I didn't hit him. If I did hit him at all, I didn't hit him hard. And he bounded maybe 20 yards and just stopped. And at that moment, I knew that I had missed him. Um, pretty, pretty going to be honest, pretty pissed off about it. Um, you know, he, I, I grunted at him, tried to get him to come back. He, of course, was like, hell no. Um, he went up the side of the ridge, out of that draw up the side of a ridge. And once he got out of sight, I got down and went over to find my arrow, try to find blood and found the arrow, a little bit of blood on the broad head, uh, a little bit of fat and white hair. Um, looks like I just grazed the underneath of his, of his, uh, of his, of his rib cage, um, and nothing. Um, pretty disappointed. That's a shot that I make probably nine times out of 10. And the reality of it is, is I, I probably screwed the pooch on that and the, and I'm not going to blame it on the camera necessarily, but it didn't, it certainly didn't do me any favors. Um, but I blew a great opportunity at a very large mainframe eight, super clean. Um, if I had to guess, you know, I, I would put him at the probably mid one forties. Um, and being completely honest, I just shit the bed. I'm not going to lie and say that I was, that I was a stone cold, you know, killer, you know, <laughs> cold blood running through my veins. Like that deer definitely had me a little shook. Um, just watching him come in. I mean, just huge tank of a body, huge rack, just everything you come to Iowa for, you know, and some people out there might say, you know, well, that's, you know, there's bigger deer than that in Iowa. Yeah, sure. You know, but I think the thing that really, you know, I think got at me the most was that, you know, freelance hunting is something I really enjoy. Uh, I've been doing a lot more of it this year and, and even in Pennsylvania. And I was able to have some encounters in PA uh, doing some freestyle hunts, you know, and it's one of those things where, you know, I, I, I've begun to kind of pride myself on being able to go to somewhere that I've not been before, um, walk in, you know, look at a map, figure out where I'm going to go and then go put the work in and grind and, um, and find deer, find sign. And I'm trusting myself a lot more this year of, of, and doing that. And each time that I've done it, I've seen deer, I've got on deer. Um, in this case, saw big deer (laughs) and missed, missed the big deer. Um, and I think that's why it probably bothers me as much as it does. I usually try not to let these things get to me too awful much. Um, cause look, I, I want to kill a big deer as much as the next guy or girl. Um, but at the end of the day, I try to have some perspective and know that like, look, deer hunting isn't as much as we love it, as much as, you know, I love doing it and I'm having a great time here in Iowa. It's not the end all be all. There are things that are way more important than that, but it doesn't mean it still doesn't piss you off. Right. Um, so I'm trying to have some perspective, but it really bothers me because the thing that I've been really working on as far as a deer hunter, probably the past two years of being more in tune of my surroundings, reading sign better, making a game plan, playing the wind better, like all these small things I've started doing to stack things in my favor 
and give myself a chance. And I gave myself a great chance today and just didn't come through. And I shoot my bow religiously. I mean, I shoot probably at a minimum three days a week, if not five days a week, most weeks. So it's not like I don't shoot often. Um, and you do all that work and then it doesn't, and it doesn't pan out. It just sometimes feels like it was for nothing, but I know better than that. And I'll dust myself off. I will get after it tomorrow and, uh, do an all day sit tomorrow in the, uh, the quote unquote, the honey hole and, uh, and try to redeem myself. But I wanted to share with you guys the good, the bad, and the ugly of today. Cause I kind of, that's, that's my gig. Um, I tell you guys, honestly, what's going on with me, uh, in the, in the hunting woods and oftentimes personally as well. Um, and I thought that I should uh, be truth be told. I didn't want to even get on and do the podcast tonight because I was pretty pissed off about the whole, the whole scenario this afternoon. Uh, but it's been a little cathartic here to, uh, to share it. And, uh, if anyone takes a lesson from this, it, it's don't self film. No, I'm just kidding. But the camera's definitely getting ditched for the rest of the trip at this point. But it's, you know, take your time. Looking back on it, I probably had more time to make the shot I needed to make than I thought I did. Um, and that's all, that's that's a fail on my part. Um, I know better. I know that I, I knew that I had more time than I did. Um, he wasn't chasing a doe. He wasn't in a hurry to get anywhere. He was just being a big, lazy public land monarch looking to check some scrapes and see if he could maybe figure out where the where a hot doe might be headed to. And, uh, and I just didn't give myself that, that opportunity or the, the, the time that I needed to, to execute that shot. My shot sequence was shit. Um, yeah, you know, so it's, uh, it's on me and I'll, uh, and I'll do better next time. So I wanted to share that with you guys as always. Thank you guys for listening. Even with today's outcome, the Iowa trip so far has been a blast. I'm looking forward to the next 10-ish days that I have out here to try to get something done. We've got some really cool weather coming in the next two days, then it'll warm up a little bit. The next week it gets even colder. So I feel like things are popping. I think the next two days are going to be dynamite and uh, hopefully I'll be able to capitalize uh, on that new weather front and uh, and sit in the honey hole because I think I'll have two all-day sits in there the next two days. So thanks for listening, guys, and we'll talk to you all soon. All right, folks, that's a wrap for today's show. I'd like to thank all of you for listening. If you haven't yet, please head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and be sure to subscribe to the podcast. We'd be super appreciative if you do those two things for us. And before I shut this thing down, I need to give a big shout out to our partners who continue to help us make this podcast possible. Tethered, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Skull Brew Coffee Company, Gumleaf USA Boots, Obsession Bows, Ramcat Broadheads, Trophy Taker Rests, and Dead Down Wind. And until next time, we'll see y'all. All right, gang, the new Truth merch is in stock at truthfromthestand.com and on YouTube below any of the Truth From The Stand videos. I've got some new hats, beanies, t-shirts, long-sleeve t-shirts, and sweatshirts. There's even a new do-hard-shit hat for those of us who like to embrace micro-dosing adversity. So head to truthfromthestand.com and check out the new gear and use the code TRUTH, T-R-U-T-H, and save yourself some cash on the new gear.